0: Welcome to Procopio Perspectives, a podcast featuring award-winning corporate and litigation attorneys providing useful legal insights on the latest issues of the day. Now, here's your host.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Miku Meta, and I'm a partner in Procopio Law Firm in the intellectual property practice team. I'd like to welcome you to the August edition of the Procopio podcast. Today, we have of counsel, Bill Smelko with us. He is an expert in bankruptcy matters. He represents clients in litigation as well as counseling. His emphasis is on business bankruptcy, restructuring, and corporate government disputes. He's a member of the Procopio Restructuring and Bankruptcy Practice. He's litigated in various areas of bankruptcy, both from the viewpoint of the creditor and the debtor, and he has a consultation practice to advise banks, credit unions, suppliers, financial institutions on bankruptcy-related matters. And I think Bill knows a little bit about this topic because he's also been teaching at Georgetown, Harvard University, University of Michigan, and Gonzaga. So without further ado, I introduce Bill Smelko. And we're gonna talk a little bit today about what international suppliers can do before their key US customer files for bankruptcy. So take it away, Bill.
0: Thanks, Miku. Uh And one of the reasons why this becomes so important is because of the volume of blue chip bankrupts that are happening and bankruptcies that are happening in the United States. Who would have thought 10 years ago that Sears, Kmart, JCPenney, Neiman Marcus, would all be in Chapter 11 reorganization together at the same time in different locations. Some bankruptcies filed in Delaware, some in New York, and Neiman Marcus in Houston. So the world of Chapter 11 practice is growing exponentially, particularly in 2020, and particularly given the COVID-19 situation and the shutdown of retail locations for many, many different occupations, businesses, and enterprises, including what many of you might have thought were the blue chip clients that we want to sell to on terms and never risk not getting paid. So that's why this podcast is important is because it's only going to get worse. And what we're going to talk about is not just not getting paid, But what happens under the United States bankruptcy laws when a trustee or a Chapter 11 debtor or a reorganized debtor comes knocking at your door and saying, in the 90 days before we filed bankruptcy, we paid you money, give it back. And that's the focus of today's and the August podcast. uh, Wow,
1: so what you're saying is that in addition to not getting paid, suppliers can actually be forced to return payments that were already made to them for goods that are delivered and sold. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Absolutely, and and there's a two-fold tension. And the tension is, number one, every supplier wants to get paid for the goods that were sent to, shipped to, and sold to some entity that files for bankruptcy protection. But getting paid means that you have to file a proof of claim, and filing a proof of claim may create what's called ambush jurisdiction of the bankruptcy debtor in the bankruptcy court forum over the supplier, whether they're located in Taiwan or in uh, mainland China or in Southeast Asia or in Africa or in anywhere in the United States. And that jurisdictional grab of a Neiman Marcus to take you to Houston or of a Sears uh, and Kmart to take you to the Southern District of New York That jurisdictional grab comes from filing a proof of claim because if you don't file the proof of claim, you can't get paid for your invoice. But what happens when you file the proof of claim is that you have functionally consented to jurisdiction in that location. And what the letters that you'll get about a year into the bankruptcy from a spate of bankruptcy lawyers say well, in the 90 days before the bankruptcy case was filed, you received x dollars on y date you received x dollars on z date and you received x dollars on q date and all three of those dates happened within the 90 days before the filing of the bankruptcy case so
1: let me uh, understand one thing Uh, so this seems to be very broad so if let's say a rental car company goes bankrupt and they purchased automobiles during that period is there a chance that the auto supplier would have to return payments that were made to them for the entire price of the vehicle sold going back during this 90-day period?
0: Funny you would mention Hertz, which has filed for Chapter 11 protection. The answer to your question, Miku, is yes. And it happens that if parts are sold or automobiles or vehicles are delivered and payments were made, after the 90-day the period has run, has come and gone on account of antecedent debt or earlier shipments, there is a distinct possibility that the trustee for Hertz or the debtor in possession for Hertz or the reorganized debtor structure entity in Hertz can come back to that vehicle supplier, parts supplier, equipment supplier, and say, every payment that you received in the 90 days before bankruptcy was on account of shipments that you made to us much earlier. And because you were paid in the 90-day period for antecedent or pre-existing debts, you have to give that money back to us. And that's where the problem
1: lies. Wow. So let's say a company has gone bankrupt and they're in the middle of these proceedings. Where does the money come from and who is taking the action to... Enforce these recoveries. What is the structure of this whole enforcement mechanism and who is going to be Sending these letters and how
0: well since Congress in the United States created the bankruptcy laws And since many of the congressmen that were and women that were that were passing the United States Bankruptcy Code were lawyers Guess who gets paid first the lawyers and as a result of that there is an incentive built into the bankruptcy code for debtors to prosecute these kinds of actions to recover preferential payments or payments that are called fraudulent conveyances to creditors or non-creditors or perhaps insiders because that money that gets collected gets paid first to the lawyers of the bankrupt entity. So as a result of the priority structure of the bankruptcy code, there's a built-in incentive for the prosecution of these types of actions, and the funds that are recovered don't go to the creditor that sold the car to the debtor, don't go to the lighting supplier that sold the lights to the retail outlet. No, the first payments that come in on account of these preferential recoveries go to the administrative expenses of the Chapter 11 estate, the Office of the United States trustee, i.e. the government, and priorities in terms of the higher priorities to general creditor claims so as a result there is this tension and this built-in incentive for these kind of actions to get prosecuted particularly in these very large bankruptcies like jc sears neiman marcus that are happening all over the united states these days
1: wow so let's talk about how this might impact suppliers What is the most likely scenario in which a supplier might be implicated? They're selling goods to a U.S. retailer. The U.S. retailer is paying them for the goods. That's all going fine. And then there is a declaration of bankruptcy. The supplier still is doing their business. How does the supplier receive the first notice? And what is the likely scenario of what's going to happen for an international supplier?
0: Well, the, the saddest part is that what's played in the debtor-creditor game in the United States is what's called the delay tactic. And the delay tactic that happens is you do your shipment to a, an entity that's selling your product. So you sell your product, you sh- make the shipment, and your terms are 30-day term. Okay, we sent the product on July 1, you're supposed to pay us by August 1. Well, that happens, and and it's in the regular course of business. But as creditors start to get delayed in their payments beyond the 30 days or beyond the 90 days or whatever terms have been offered to the eventual bankrupt, what happens is that that delay game is what causes the creation of the most likely scenario for these letters to arrive. And that is under 547 of the United States Bankruptcy Code or 11 United States code section 547. That's called a preference action. And what happens is the shipment is made on July 1st. The payment was supposed to have been made on August 1st, but the buyer says, no, I can't pay you on August 1. Give me a little more time. And so, because they're a very good client and because they are perceived to be a very blue chip customer on whose fortunes you've relied, the supplier says, okay, take your time, we'll we'll get our payment. And instead of 30 days, the payment is made in 60 days. And the next time the payment comes due, the payment comes in 90 days. And and between the time of the 90-day payment, the supplier has shipped goods. And the shipping of those goods creates an unsecured claim in favor of the supplier against the promisor who is saying, oh, I'll pay you in 60 days. I'll pay you in 90 days. And then the payment is made. And within that 90 days of the payment being made, bankruptcy petition is filed under Chapter 11 by one of these big entities. What happens is all of the first day motions get filed. There's bar dates that are set for filing proofs of claim to kind of trap the suppliers in the jurisdiction. Uh, And about a year into the bankruptcy case, A big law firm is hired that bills time for the prosecution of these preference actions. The first letter that comes out is one which says, hi, you were paid on X date, Y date, and Z date on account of these claims for shipments that were made well in advance of the payment date. These payments were made to you outside the ordinary course of your business, outside the, the contract that you had with the debtor, and because they were made within the 90 days of the filing of the bankruptcy case, we want them all back. They were preferred payments to you in derogation of the rights of other creditors. Now, the United States bankruptcy laws are about giving and taking. And the United States Bankruptcy Code, which was enacted in October of 1979, was modeled after the old English system. And the old English system had two things about bankruptcy that were happening. One. Is considered bankruptcy as a debtor's right. The debtor has a right to be free from its indebtedness. But the flip side is, bankruptcy is also considered to be a creditor's remedy. When the publican had to pay either the beer vendor or the bread vendor or the meat vendor, and the publican's brother in law was the beer vendor, guess who got paid? The publican paid the beer vendor. And the bread vendor and the meat vendor said, wait a minute. We're not getting paid. You're paying your brother-in-law.
1: Wow. So this, this seems like a huge risk.
0: It, it is. It, and it, it is a tremendous risk. And that's why we have these suggestions, uh, which, which talk about ways that you as a supplier to any U.S. business can try to protect yourself and prevent you becoming the bread vendor or the meat vendor, and, and instead maybe getting you on, on an even keel with the beer
1: vendor. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What can suppliers do here to reduce their risk exposure? If you can give us maybe like three big tips that in their day to day practice suppliers can implement to avoid some of these scenarios or at least reduce the risk, I think that would be really interesting. At least you know, my clients will be very interested in that.
0: Well, the first thing that needs to be done is that you have to get paid on time. If you have contract terms, insist on being paid on time. If you're paid in accordance with your contract, then you're not worrying about this one critical factor which supports a preference claim, which is you are paid on account of an antecedent debt within the 90 days before the bankruptcy. So getting paid on time is one thing that will help you vis-a-vis every other creditor and prevent these kind of preference actions from being commenced against you. The second thing that you can do is understand How the preference period begins. And that is, if you are paid by check, don't let the check sit in a desk drawer somewhere. Make sure that that check gets negotiated immediately because there is a development of United States bankruptcy case law from various bankruptcy courts and from circuit courts, which say it's not the date of the check, it's not the date that the check was mailed, it's not the date the check was received, but instead, it's when the money hits your account. So one thing your international suppliers can do is deal with American companies by wire transfer. Once the wire hits your account, that's when the money becomes yours. But if you're dealing with checks, make sure that those checks get negotiated promptly. Now a
1: third so it seems like these for these two these two tips that you have mentioned, the most important thing that companies can do is have good consistent policies that Are aligned with the rules of bankruptcy for example policy of wiring instead of checks and then have it trained and implemented within the company so they're consistently reminding the payment requirements and getting the payment in the timely periods right
0: yes your accounting people and your collections people are crucial to helping you uh, solve problems but one of the things that can save money later on down the line when these lawsuits get filed or the letters get received, is you having accurate record? So your collections people need to know three very important things. Number one, when was the order placed and shipped? Number two, when was the invoice mailed or sent? And number three, when was the payment actually put into your company's account? If you know those three things and keep careful track of them, that helps immensely. Now, there's one other factor that enters into this equation, because it's not often that big time suppliers to large blue chip companies only ship one order. You're relying on these companies for your children's future. You're relying on these companies to build your own inventories. And as a result you have repeat orders with these large U.S. companies. And those repeat orders require invoicing, require shipping, and require payment. There is another defense to both fraudulent conveyance litigation and to preference litigation, which is called the subsequent new value exception. And the subsequent new value defense is one which says, When was a shipment made? When was a payment received? And let's not characterize the payment to the earlier shipment. Let's characterize the payment as applying to the subsequent shipment. And that's a way to defend against these preference actions that will be coming your way, usually in the one year 18 months after a bankruptcy case is filed by one of these blue-chip debtors. A- and it seems
1: like there's a lot of policy-based things that a supplier can do to avoid the risk. They just need to be, uh, receive the counseling and information.
0: Yes. There there is a lot of policy objectives that are involved. One of the central features of the bankruptcy code is that you don't want to have one creditor preferred over another because there's this equal treatment of similarly situated creditors. But another practical business policy option and policy value and goal is to say that if you're dealing with someone that is in financial distress, you don't want to jack the prices up And cause them further distress. So you want to continue to do business in the ordinary course with a potential debtor in possession or a potential reorganizing entity. So Congress had a number of different policy objectives that were out there and one of those policy objectives is they wanted businesses to do business in the ordinary course of business with entities that might be filing Chapter 11 protection. And so there are some built-in protections that are there, one of which is this subsequent new value defense, another of which is that under the Uniform Commercial Code in the United States, Section 9304, sellers of goods can create a purchase money security interest in their goods. And that purchase money security interest, if it's created properly upon the date of shipment, transfers the individual supplier from an unsecured creditor to a preferred secured creditor so that the payment is not preferential because the supplier is protected by a purchase money security interest
1: wow that purchase money security interest sounds really important i wonder if we can uh that almost seems like you know it could be its own own topic i think it would be great if we can talk more about that on the on the next one so Were there any other points or final thoughts that you wanted to mention for uh, the suppliers?
0: Yes. Uh, the, The other thing that I would mention is if you ship goods to an entity that files bankruptcy, any goods that are shipped to that entity within the 20 days before the bankruptcy filing can be considered the subject of a reclamation claim on your part. And so within the 20 day period, if you ship something and then they file BK on you so you don't get paid, contact counsel immediately that's familiar with bankruptcy laws because you want to make a reclamation claim and, and you need to process those reclamation claims within the very early period after the filing of the bankruptcy case. Now bankruptcy, uh, McCoo, is about giving and taking. Debtors are given relief for uh, and, and what's called the automatic stay to protect them from judicial actions, legal actions, collection activity, once a bankruptcy petition is filed. But when they are given this great right to the automatic stay and the right to reorganize, they're also something taken from them. And taken from them is their ability to manipulate creditors any further after the filing of a bankruptcy case. I have often heard in my ringing in my ears, my my law school professor from the University of Michigan, Frank Kennedy, who helped write and author The Bankruptcy Code in 1979, when I was taking my bankruptcy class in the spring of 1980. And what Professor Kennedy said that I distinctly remember is he said it is better to lend to a bankrupt entity the day after bankruptcy than the day before. Because if you get court permission, you become elevated to the status of a priority creditor as opposed to a general unsecured credit. So there are things that your companies and suppliers can do And I would encourage you to please, uh, the second you get one of these letters, contact Competent Bankruptcy counsel, because there are things that can be done to protect you, both from preference actions under Section 547 and fraudulent conveyance actions under 11 U.S.C. Section 548. There are specific defenses set forth in Section 547C, and those specific defenses need to be the subject of your response but if as we've talked about you've been able to keep very good track of your record to know when you've made shipments when you've invoiced and when you were paid um that will go a long way towards saving you an awful lot of money when the next big u.s bankruptcy case hits so thank yeah that you so and that
1: seems like the key point take steps now to prepare for the worst case scenario And then if something happens, be sure to contact counsel right away to see what can be done, right?
0: Yes, very helpful in that regard. And United States bankruptcy laws may seem confusing, but as you've noted earlier, there are policy values that get imbued in the statutes that are created. And those policy values are the subject of those statutory defenses that are out there. But if you don't know about statutory defenses, then it's going to cost you an awful lot of money to not get paid for products and goods that you actually ship to an entity that filed bankruptcy in the United States.
1: Wow. Well, thanks so much for sharing this with us. I understand uh, you have a webinar coming up. So if this podcast is being heard before, I believe it is uh, August 17th, right? August 20th. I'm sorry, August 20th. 20th. Please uh, be sure to tune in and you can get information from Procopio's website and uh, after August 20th you can get the materials there. So yes, thank you everyone the, the, for taking a time. Uh, any final words from you, Bill? The yeah.
0: webinar will be on the website uh, and so you can go ahead and refer to it. But uh, thank you all very much for listening and I just hope you don't become the injury added to the insult uh, and the insult of getting your money that you've already received clawed back into the bankruptcy case. The whole goal of having effective bankruptcy counsel is, yes, you are injured when someone files bankruptcy and doesn't pay your claim, but avoid the insult added on to the injury by avoiding having been taken by a preference or fraudulent conveyance action And being required to give money back to the entity that really does owe you money instead. So thank you all very much for listening. And I hope this has been helpful to those of you who are listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed this Procopio Perspectives podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already and visit Procopio.com to learn more about Procopio. Thank you for listening.